Hey, everybody in the football pandemic world, we are back this week. After a week off, we have so much news. It's stuffed like a Thanksgiving turkey. Stick around, see what it's all about on the football pandemic. To tell you it's been a full two weeks would be a huge understatement uh, because last week I, w- I was gone and we didn't get a chance to record this podcast and I was like, oh, it's crazy. There's so much has happened. But in the time that I said that last week to now, it dwarfs in comparison to what has happened, at least on this Homer's football team. We're going to get into all that in a little bit, but let's go back and catch up because last week we would have been talking about some of the stuff that happened at the trade deadline because that ended last Tuesday. We had all sorts of things going on uh, that we didn't get to talk about, so we're going to talk about them now uh, before moving on. Uh, Why don't one of you guys just throw out a trade that happened in that trade deadline that you thought was significant, and we'll all throw our two cents in on each of those. I'm going to start with the NFC North. Uh, there is a particular player for the Detroit Lions that you might consider arguably their best player, TJ Hawkinson, tight end. He's mm. been pretty good as a tight end, regardless of who's been throwing to him at quarterback past few seasons. He was traded to the Minnesota Vikings for a 2023 fourth, 2024 fourth, and a 2023 second, and 2024 third. It's a lot. I mean, yeah. they're not like firsts and seconds, but there's a good number of thirds and fourths in there. Yeah, over the next few seasons, and uh, he's a he's a serious threat to be having on an offense, and so. And to be fair, we're we're actually talking about this a week later, so we've seen him play in Minnesota, and I feel like he did. He got pretty well. he yeah, did he pretty did well, well. Yeah. yeah, in his first week. Yeah, with MVP frontrunner Kirk Cousins thrown to him that's right Kirk Cousins <laughs> blinged out Kirk Cousins boy Kirk Cousins uh I didn't get to see the whole thing but was there like a picture of him like with no shirt and a big gold chain yeah, or something big gold chains and yep. yeah he, he was a video on Twitter he was uh dancing I think it was the Darius Smith's like iced out chains that Darius is a big jewelry guy and so he has so, no idea having every part of the chain be a diamond and I think he just threw them all on Kirk while they were on their plane ride home and started blasting some music, and they were partying it up. There you go. Man. And uh, sticking in the NFC North, while not as much as much implications, we have the Bears made some moves. They traded away Roquan Smith. And we talked about this two weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, when they traded away Akeem Hicks. Is that right? Um, uh, no, Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. They traded away Robert Quinn. Got some draft capital for him. Now they've traded away Roquan Smith to the Ravens for a second and fourth, and then turned around and traded away their second round pick, the Chicago Bears second round, not the newly acquired Ravens pick, to the Pittsburgh Steelers for Jamar, or no, 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 for Chase Claypool, not Jamar Chase. Chase Claypool, right. Chase Claypool. (laughs) Jamar Chase would be a better acquisition, but they wouldn't get him from Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, right? Yes. And so that's... uh, that's everything that happened in the NFC North uh, during the trade deadline. And I know uh, Chase Claypool was kind of a hot commodity 
for uh, the NFC North trying to get him in. And uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers believed that the Bears' second-round pick would be a higher second-round pick than any other team in the NFC North that also offered a second-round pick. And they're so probably they, right. Send him to uh, send him to Chicago. Maybe they're not right. Hmm? I don't think they, I don't know. <laughs> not after Justin Fields <laughs> this last Justin week, right? Justin Fields is on the, the rise, yeah. But yeah, uh, not, not after running back Justin Fields is uh, running the ball. <laughs> so I, I know we've got more trades to talk about, but we just talked about the NFC North. Were were you hoping that there would be a receiver brought in for Green Bay? That never happened. It, it did not happen. That is correct. There were a number of of offers. Uh, DJ Moore was offered a first mm-hmm. to bring him from Carolina to Green Bay, a first round pick. Like, and they said no. It, it was not from Green Bay's lack of trying. I'm I'm going to put that out there. In, in past seasons, yes, it's been from lack of trying. But Green Bay was in serious talks with a number of receivers trying to bring him in. And I I don't know if they were in the Hopkins talk. I know Hopkins was kind of on the board and ultimately not dealt anywhere. Uh, but uh, they did offer the second for uh, Chase Claypool, and they off- also offered a first for uh, DJ Moore. And, you know, I, I would have given a, you know, a second and Elton Jenkins for Terry McLaurin. You know, I don't know if we were <laughs> – I mean – Terry was probably never going to be dealt anywhere unless it was a no chance. Price. I mean, they, um, they also offered. I'm trying to figure out what they offered, but they also tried attempted at uh, Darren Waller. Here's yeah, my I think they offered a they offered a second for Darren Waller, which was kind of if if we go back to when Devontae Adams was traded, I talked about this. The original offer for Devontae Adams was first round pick Darren Waller for Devontae Adams. And that was going to be, so they really screwed up. but because Devontae oh, was a tagged player and not re-signed, yeah. you could not trade a player for a tagged player. And so it had to be exclusively picked. So they gave us a first and a second for Devontae with the idea of that second was going to be traded back for Waller. And then that never went through on the Raiders end. And so we just ended up with the first and second uh, round picks for this draft for Devonte Adams and never got Darren Waller. So I, I there's definitely interest uh, to bring Darren Waller in and the Packers definitely tried and they felt like they knew his value was kind of a second and Devonte Adams and that couldn't go through due to, the NFL rules for tag trade players. Um, so, I mean, they, they were in serious conversations. I believe they were close in those serious conversations, and ultimately it did not officially go through. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm kind of surprised that the Panthers didn't get rid of more. They've uh, already got rid of Rule. They've already got rid of CMC. They're basically having a fire sale, and they're starting over. They're blowing it up, and, like, I guess they decided they wanted to stick with him as a piece of the the rebuild, but I thought they might have gone for something like that. Yeah, I mean that's that's a se- <laughs> a pretty serious like yeah. pick. That's first round pick is damage. Yeah, yeah. And so I I was kind of surprised when I heard uh, when Brian called me and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna offer this. What do you think as an owner? Can I get approval?" And I told Brian Gudikins, "Yes, you can offer that," uh, and it then doesn't go through, but. You know, it wasn't from lack of effort. It was not from lack of effort. I can confidently no, say not. that. And now yeah. now we've got Aaron Rodgers uh, having to stick with those same wide receivers who are starting to feel frustrated. we got a, we got a, a lot of season to talk about that. And uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, lording it over them, like here for the, at least this part of the season. 
We'll see if that stays. Yeah. Hey, uh, Commanders made a trade. It yep. was RG3. Yeah. Wait, not RG3, but WJ3 to the Steelers, right? Steelers, right? Yeah. I mean, I, he was wanting out, honestly. I mean, ever since he, like, we benched him, or, like, he, the report was that he wants out, we benched him, whatever. Our defense in our secondary, especially, has been playing exceptionally, you know, better. And I think it just, like, shows a lack of, you know, incompetence on the whole coaching staff, general manager, owner side of a whole of the things the commanders were, well, we're going to sign this top free agent, but we run a zone scheme, run a zone scheme on defense for cornerbacks, but he runs them. He's a specific band of man cornerback. Let's see if we can make it work out. And we signed him for all this money. You know, he has a huge cap hit. He work. He's, you know, plays for a year. He's traded the next year. So he plays for us basically one and a half years. Oh, this doesn't work out. Let's train him for like, a seventh round pick in 2025, even though we signed him for so much money, but we knew that he wasn't going to be his own quarterback. Let's just trade him. You know what I mean? It's like, that just shows the incompetence. Why would you sign him if he's not going to fit in your organization? Let's talk about Washington incompetence for a minute. And I know this is, yep. this is uh, even beyond the trade deadline week, but looks like old uh, Dan Snyder might be making plans to be leaving mm-hmm. Washington. What do you think about that, Josh? I'm excited for it, but I'm just it just depends on like who ownership is handed off to or bought, whatever. Right now, I think the biggest, you know, factor or leaks or whatever people are saying the most will happen is uh Bezos is like a minority stake with Bezos, um, the rapper, I think it was Jay-Z and somebody else. I'm not sure about Bezos. I know everybody every owner and Roger Goodell would vote him in because he he runs Thursday night football, so they're just gonna try to gain more revenue off of him. I'm not sure how I'll think about that just because I know like just because of what people say he does with Amazon, you know, so it's kind of like time will tell type of deal, but I'm actually willing, I'm willing for something new basically, you know, and I'll let, I'll see, I'll make my judgment after that happens type of deal, you know, after some time, but I'm willing for Dan Snyder to get out like right now. Who are some of the other people that they've rumored are, are thinking about buying? Uh, Cause I knew that there were a couple others, right? Um, I know those are the big names that I've heard, but um, well, that was one group: uh, Bezos and Jay Z. Jay Z only has about one point four billion. Uh, obviously, Bezos has like one hundred seventeen billion. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, who is also a fan of the Commanders, is willing to join um, the stake with Bezos and uh, Jay Z as well. I thought there was another group um, that some people were like, "I would like it to be this group." I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. There was also a, a former. Redskin quarterback, right? <laughs> I don't know if that one's. Oh, I don't know yeah, if that yeah. one's serious. <laughs> I don't know if that one's serious. Are you three and a million of fans? You know, just putting in all this money to buy the Commanders <laughs> and yeah. a million fans. <laughs> so, so let, let me ask. Let, let's go through this hypothetical. Jeff Bezos buys the team. The guy, the Amazon guy, is yeah, is the only time they're going to play football on Thursday night. It's just going to be every single Maybe. Thursday night is going to be the Commanders and whatever team they're playing. I'm not sure, but. That's probably what's going to happen. But I'm um, honestly, you know, if it, let's say it is Bezos, JC, and McConaughey. Well, let's take McConaughey out of the question. So just Bezos and um, and Jay-Z. We immediately get all rights to Jay-Z's music to play at the stadium. He can be our immediate DJ right then and there, you know, during, you know, timeouts, commercial breaks, halftimes, whatever. And Bezos, I expect, you know, just because of how bad everything's going, completely re-brand, rebrand the team again. To something, you know, like completely revamp, you know, hire all, fire all these general managers, fire Ron Rivera, maybe fire, whatever. Completely restart from the bottom, you know, hire what he wants, whatever. 
But I'm interested to see how it goes, honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting, for some, waiting for something new to happen. But um, there was a, a leak or report that um, an attorney general for um, Dan Snyderweiss, the attorney general was going to release something like important or something like that to um to like I guess to the public about something that's going on with the Dan Center thing. So I'm kind of willing to see what that in- includes. Also, I'm trying to figure out yeah. what it, what it says. Um, Commissioner Foley uh been co- cooperative with the AG, the Attorney General's investigation over New Year, and they plan to make a major announcement related to the organization tomorrow, which was, that was produced yesterday. So yeah, today sometime. Today. Sometime today. What do you think it's going to be? I don't know. Maybe just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they want, I don't know. I'm willing, we're hoping it's something good, but it's starting to become a very, um, a very toxic culture for even the players at this point. They just can't, you know, they can't go and play football and be happy about it. Um, Benjamin St. Juice, our starting quarterback now, you know, spoke out about it and he's a, he's French. So we kind of wrote in French, but we translated it. He said, basically says, there's been a dark cloud hanging over this organization since he arrived in the, in the organization. Organization can release a fresh start. We can't we can't go play football, feel good about ourselves for winning or playing great, and then going back the next day to the organization to practice and see all these reports of, you know, misogyny and selling team stuff that just puts a whole damper on things. Basically, is what he said. So the players are feeling it extremely well, or extremely you know feeling having the pressure on them extremely basically. Yeah, they feel that. Yet they're out there rallying around Tyler Heineke, winning games. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Did you guys win this last week? No, we lost on a field goal. I'll talk about it later. I'll, t- I'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, let's move on in our trade deadline stuff. Uh, Broncos traded uh, Bradley Chubb. Remember when he was brought into the league? That was the same year mm-hmm. Quentin Nelson was uh, drafted. Because I remember thinking I wanted us to to get Bradley Chubb, and we took a guard. And I'm like, what? Uh, but he is being traded uh, and a 2025 fifth round to the Dolphins for a first and a fourth, a first this year, fourth next year, and Chase Edmonds. Dolphins um, trying to load up, trying to stay. Mm-hmm. Guys, I just want to I want to say the the NFC East and the AFC East are two of the stronger divisions in football. Yep. And I would not have expected, you know, Top to bottom, strongest. Well, top maybe to the AFC East, not, not the NFC East. I can see the AFC East because you know they got the Bills powerhouse already. Hey, the Dolphins are pre- Dolphins are pretty close. What are you talking about? Chester- not the NFC East. You got the Eagles who are undefeated. You got both the Giants and yeah. the Cowboys who are looking really strong, and then you got you guys who are hanging on, hanging on. But I expected at this point the Eagles to be like five and three, six and six and three, five, five and four, six and three, whatever. The Cowboys probably be the same. They're fighting for the division, same record probably. Cowboys and Eagles like they are now, and then the Giants worse than we are. So it is a surprise to me. It's a surprise. It's like actually NFC East is the strongest division in football right now, uh, yeah. standings wise, and then mm-hmm. AFC East uh, with the Jets and the Bills and the Dolphins, and then New England. Uh, still, they all have positive records. That's right. It's like. Uh, my goodness, I don't think I would have thought that going into this year. I, I did think, you know, the Bills will be good out of all those, and the Cowboys might yeah. do something. Actually, I remember at the beginning of the year thinking the Eagles would be the ones. But I did not mm-hmm. expect the full divisions or those full conferences to or divisions to, to look so good. Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, Miami making moves to try and stay in this thing. Um, I would just like to note that uh, – 
this whole Bradley Chubb trade, I have a Dolphins fan I work with, and he was saying, well, it probably could have been figured out anyway. But um, so whenever the Dolphins traded their pick to the 49ers, you know, so the 49ers can move up for Trey Lance, you know, they traded all these picks away. So the Dolphins turned that into Jalen Waddle, who they drafted. They traded one of their picks for Tyree Kill, who is, you know, the league leading receiver and, and receiving yards. And then they traded the other pick for Bradley Chubb. So they've gotten three superstars out of that 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 hall for Trey Lance and have done exceptional in all of that. And Trey Lance? He's not even playing. And he's not even playing. Yeah, out for the season. Yeah. Well, it looks like it worked out well for the Dolphins, and they're continuing to try and uh, improve that team, which, by the way, is much better than I thought they would be, and they're better with Tua than they are without Tua. But I think the, mm-hmm. that new head coach in there made a difference, um, that quarter, because they had Tua last year. But, like, everything's working together pretty well there when Tua's in. 49ers traded uh, Jeff Wilson, running back, to the Dolphins. Dolphins, yep. So they're also getting that. Um, but they also gave up another pick, a fifth-round pick. I don't know how many picks they even have left, but they had so many, like you said, because of that haul that it's it's easy to get uh, stuff in return for that. Falcons uh, traded Calvin Ridley, who is suspended for gambling, right, this year for the whole year, to the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something the Jaguars are going to benefit from next year. But uh, uh, they got some conditional picks for that. I don't even know what those picks were, but... Um, yeah, Calvin Ridley's a good, good receiver. So, uh, unfortunately for the AFC South, that's going to make it harder next year. If, uh, Trevor Lawrence keeps growing as he seems to be this year, he does seem to be growing. I mean, he's not great, not great yet, but, uh, the team's getting better. So Colts, this was a head scratcher for me, guys. The Colts traded running back Naheem Hines to the Buffalo Bills for a running back, Zach Moss who hasn't seemed to have done much of anything and a six round pick, a six round pick only. Now for the last couple of years, we've been hearing Naheem Hines. He's just got skills and we're going to see him more and more. Now we haven't seen him. And I don't know if that's because he's really not as good as they say, or just because Frank Reich wasn't able to get him into the game the way he wanted to. Uh, if he didn't have the chemistry with uh, the quarterback, although the game before we traded him, he was our lone touchdown right? Matt Ryan threw to, to um, Naheem Hines just that previous week for a touchdown. But uh, we, we got rid of Naheem Hines when Jonathan Taylor was hurt. And um, what was it? Who was our, I feel like we did it when we had like no running back stuff going on. So we had Deion Jackson and, and Philip Lindsay as our guys. Yeah. It's like, completely nuts to me. Uh, I always like Naheem Hines, but uh, at least Naheem may get a chance at a Super Bowl ring. So I'm sure he's not too upset. He's probably feeling pretty good right now. The Colts, on the other hand, that's a, well, let's just get into it, guys. Colts right now. What the heck is going on? <laughs> I uh, think things are just not right, Matthew. They're things not right. are not right. At all. Actually, I have a team in fantasy called the Reich Stuff, and there's not even a head coach in the NFL right now named Reich. What am I doing? You can change it. You can change it to uh, uh, any given Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, any given Saturday. Saturdays are for the Colts. Sundays I, are for the Colts. I'm going to have to think on this one. If anybody wants to send in suggestions, uh, you can do that to our uh, uh, Better Than Own 15 um, 
what do you call that message group we have. Uh, You can send it to the uh, Fandemic website. But uh, yeah, I've got to come up with a new name because um, when the the trade deadline happened, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we traded Naheem Hines. What in the world's going on? Um, Just before that, was it before that? We benched Matt Ryan, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. we benched Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger. So it was Sam Ellinger, actually, that threw that touchdown to Naheem Hines just before he traded. Sorry. Uh, so we um, we had Sam Ellinger, and I'm like, what in the world's going on? And then a week ago, uh, we fired our offensive coordinator, uh, just got rid of him. It's like, okay, Frank Reich's going to take over those duties. I thought, man, the Colts organization is, like, really being shaken up right now. Then the biggest news of all happened this uh, Sunday. Who did we lose to, by the way? I was I was not able to watch the game because I was at a conference, but I knew we lost like three to twenty six to who? New England. New, yes. How could I forget New England? And uh, later that night, my phone starts going ding, 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 ding. I'm like, what in the world's going on? And I look, Frank Reich has been fired, and I thought, man, this is crazy. We, we already got rid of our offensive coordinator, and now the guy who was calling plays, Frank Reich, is gone, our head coach that everybody loved. And remember, Ursay has never fired a coach midseason. In 25 years, yeah, since he's been owner. Since he's been owner. He's years. never done yeah. that midseason. And boom, not only did we do that, uh, but then the next morning, I think it was the next morning, my phone starts oh, ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. And I'm like, what is going on now? And I look and I had to read the tweet twice where it says, Colts name new coach Jeff Saturday. I'm like, whoop, I read something wrong there. I know Jeff Saturday and Colts go together, but I somehow, maybe Jeff Saturday was reporting on that and I read it again. And it's like, no, that said, we've named the head coach Jeff Saturday, the, the former center that played with Peyton Manning. And, and Aaron Rodgers. And, and don't forget the great, <laughs> great year with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, what in the world is going on? Because I, I didn't know he was coaching. I thought he was an analyst. And then I did my reading, and lo and behold, it's true. He's never coached at the college level. He's never coached at the NFL level. And though we have Gus Bradley, and though we have John Fox, two former head coaches, and though we have Bubba Ventrone, an up-and-coming like head coach candidate. And Reggie Wayne. And Reggie you know, like Wayne, like who yeah. is a like receiver, like he's a former player, you know. But though we have those people on the on, in the coaching room already, who've been through like the summer and you know uh, off off season training and uh, preseason, and they've been in on the game planning. Instead, we bring in analyst Jeff Saturday to be our head coach, and the world has just gone topsy turvy and upside down crazy since that announcement. And then we had this press, uh, this press conference, which by the way, there were two, uh, two young, young boys who ended up, uh, getting the stream that to thousands of people, including Pat McAfee, who jumped on their live stream of that, uh, press, uh, conference. But in this press conference, Jim Ursay goes crazy and starts talking about how they make sausage and the CIA and, uh, oh, yeah, I saw that. Michael Jordan. And you're just like, what in the world is going He's on? Like, because yeah. it like, was mostly Jim Ursay talking and Chris Ballard sitting there looking like the world is not good. Uh, Ballard does not mm-hmm. look happy. And I, I seriously wonder how soon or how much length of chain <laughs> Ballard has left because I, I think, you know, they said he's going to be here next season, but they also said Frank Reich was going to be here, you know, that he was the guy, and that's changed. And 
They also said Matt Ryan's going to play two or three years, and he was benched after seven games. So uh, Ballard, I think, is on super thin ice, and he's just keeping his job. I don't think he likes any of this. I think we've got a bunch of Jim Irsay decisions going on. And then Jeff Saturday's sitting there trying to like be the new guy. And he's not even getting to talk. It's everybody's talking to Jim Irsay and it's like super awkward. And all these questions in the media about like how he has no experience. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, I get the sense, the real sense that Jeff Saturday is serious about this. And he wants this to be his audition, oh, yeah. not only for the Colts, but 31 other teams. He said, uh, I think he plans to come in and win. So, there's been a lot of speculation that Jim Irsay just did what he had to do in order for us to tank and look like we're trying, and we're going to get a top-five pick and get our quarterback. That may end up being the case, but I think Jeff Saturday is seriously like, I'm going to bring this team back. Now, let's not forget, I don't think Mike Vrabel had any um, coaching experience mm -hmm. before he went to Texas. But he did get to be in a role in Texas as the, what, defensive coordinator? Or um, defensive something, right? He was um, Texans linebacker coach 2014 and 2016. But before that, he was linebacker and defensive line coach at Ohio State for 11 and 13. Okay, so he actually, yeah, he that's, that's not right at all. He had both college and NFL experience before he yeah. was named head coach. So I was thinking maybe Ursay, you know, I knew Ursay really liked Vrabel, and then we, we decided not to go that route. We went Josh McDaniels, and we all know how that turned out, Josh McDaniels, who is failing the Raiders right now. Uh, but he ended up getting Frank Reich, and now Jeff Saturday. My goodness. I could sit here and talk on and on. What are your guys' thoughts on Jeff Saturday to the Colts? What do you think's happening? In that I just want to know if you uh, if you saw his press conference. Like Jeff Satter is not Jim Mercedes. Anything he's like, of course, everyone he probably reads the Twitter. But he was like, there was going through, you know, reporters were saying too, like, are you ready? Are you going to do this or whatever? And he's like, I just want to make it clear that I play. You know, I know how to work these players. I worked in the league for 14, 13 years, whatever. I you know, I was at the forefront of the offensive line. You know, I knew the plays, et cetera, et cetera. You best believe that I know how to you know work with players and manage players, et cetera, et cetera. He was just going off on reports because nobody believed him. Nobody believed that he can do this. And he just went off and clearly made a state that I believe this. I'm going to do this and I'm yeah. just going to work out. Yeah. I'm excited to see what he can do. I think if he would like, I, am too. I think if he would win like, and somehow inch into the playoffs, it would be like, everybody would look back and be like, Ursay was a genius, a genius. which they're not, they're not saying that right now. <laughs> no, yeah. What I really hate, though, about this whole situation is, you know, Frank Wright was fired, of course. We, we all, you know, didn't expect that, but we're not mad about that. But everybody, has, every, a lot of people are mad that, like, all right, Jeff Saturday is hired out of nowhere. But, of course, it's Jim Mercer that made the decision. You know, his, his decision, nobody cares about that. But everybody's saying, like, there's so many other black candidates or black or minority candidates that could have been hired. And you choose this guy who has no coaching experience, whatever, whatever. But you're not the owner that makes these decisions. You know, what if, and they're like, what, well, you didn't contact anybody else making decisions you know what if they what if Ursa did contact Reggie Wayne or about Gus Bradley or you know whatever and they said no we're not ready for this and he just went to Jeff Saturday even though Jeff Saturday was Saturday was surprised about it he still accepted it what if he contacted a lot of other people before Jeff Saturday Saturday and everybody's like this is just a clear case of uh what would they say um like country cut old, old good old boy good old boy organization you know and it's just annoying how people think of this way well, it is just an interim coach position, and yeah. there will be a full search before next year, which Jeff Saturday can throw his hat into. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I've heard all of that as well. And, uh, yeah, we don't know all of the inside story. 
Yeah, I want to point out doubts that people have on Jeff Saturday. So we all understand the most important player on the offensive position is the quarterback because they need to know everything that's going on right there in the moment. Mm -hmm. But the second smartest person and maybe arguably the smartest person that's on the field with the offense is the center. And Jeff Saturday was one of the best centers in the NFL for a long time. Over a decade. Yeah. And, and he understand he was a part of two very high level offenses, the Colts and the Packers, mm -hmm. both kind of at their primes. Yeah. And if there's anyone that understands an NFL offense better, I mean, you're looking at maybe Peyton Manning, who's not in the league. Right. Yeah. So I mean, some other people that you would consider being like, hey, yeah, we might. You know, if Peyton wanted to coach, I'm sure a team would bring him in because Peyton's a genius. On what how much how much do you want to bet Jim Irsay reached out to Peyton and said, would you consider being a head coach? Probably was as one of his options. I mean, I Peyton bet he did it at, at, at a game at the game you guys were at. So was yeah, Jeff was. Saturday. It, yeah. it so might have been. Saturday. Yeah, they might have asked both of them there. Hey, do you want a co-head coach? Do you want to? Well, <laughs> I, I would something? not doubt that he went to Peyton Manning first. I would not at all doubt that. And Peyton mm -hmm. said, no, I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. And then my guess is he went to Jeff Saturday next. And it happened really quickly after the game we were at. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I just want to point that out because just because he was a center and just because he was a player does not mean he's not going to understand. He was one of the smartest people on the football field. And he understands it at a higher level than most people ever will. And let's and uh, so I, I want to give him all the credit all the credit that's due to him. And I hope it really works out for him because that's awesome. Yeah. And let's, let's look at the other part of this. They named, uh, so they had nobody who could call plays on offense left. Uh, but he named parks Frazier, um, who is the passing specialist, right? So if he, who knows like an offense, because he's been part, uh, he's like that second quarterback on the offense. And you've got the person calling plays as the person who knows about passing and, how to do RPOs and stuff like that. Uh, those are your two people. If we can get that offense into gear, our defense is good. Our defense has been doing its job. If the offense can start clicking, if those two guys, we could see some success. Yeah, so I, I, I hope all the best for Indy. I thought it was a very mm -hmm. smart choice. I like that they brought an offensive genius into that position. And it's going to help out Sam Ellinger. You know, Sam Ellinger, a bright young man from my neck of the woods. I was at the high school he went to the other day, along with Nick Foles, who's another quarterback on that team. Also, so I, also do note this. I've Jim Irsay, you know, he came back and was like talking about how they're not tanking the season, all this. And he said in there, you know, we we may be Sam Ellinger. We may go back to Matt Ryan when he's healthy. We may use Nick Foles. Uh that was the coach's decision to make Sam Ellinger for the year. Mm -hmm. So whether he's thrown Frank Reich under the bus and it was really his decision, or if it was Frank's, we don't know that Sam is going to be there for the whole year. We may see Matt Ryan again. We may see Nick Foles. Uh, we just don't know what's going on in Indy, but I do like you. I think, uh, and this was probably part of Jim Mercer's plan. This is a huge publicity move with Colts fans. We all love Jeff Saturday. And yeah, yeah. every Colts fan that I've talked to, they're like, hey, man, I'm excited. I want to see what this can be. Now, will it be something? We don't know. In two weeks, we all may be like, you're an idiot, Jim. <laughs> but for now, the fan base is like, the fan base who, by the way, was revolting because 
every week in the uh, press conference, it was the exact same sentences. Well, you know, I have to go back and watch the tape, individual plays. When we did this, the analytics said to do this, and you heard his jab about, uh, I'm glad Jeff Saturday's here and never had experience because he doesn't have the fear that comes with, you know, running to analytics all the time. <laughs> Jeff, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Ursay said that. I don't think Jim Ursay liked the whole Frank Reich depending on analytics approach. I think he wants somebody with a football mind. And uh, so mm-hmm. we're going to see. You, you mentioned you were going to talk about some of the doubts. You mentioned one. Did you have any others there, Brandon? I mean, that's kind of the biggest one that, came to my mind I and I know firsthand like there's two centers in my mind from the past decade that played in Green Bay that I would trust doing anything Jeff Saturday was one of them mm-hmm. and I know he's very trusted and beloved within the Colts organization too he just finished his career in Green Bay and then uh, Corey Lindsley who's not with Green Bay anymore he's now in Los Angeles but those two guys are two of the smartest football players to be in the league this past decade and so to get an actual football genius in there and no one ever gives the offensive line credit. You know, it's, it's always someone else getting the credit, but doing that job is hard. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and he put in the work and he did really good. So I I hope it all works out for Jeff Saturday. It's an amazing opportunity for him. Yeah. He's got his work uh, cut out for him with that offensive line, you know, having Anthony Costanzo retired in the left tackle positions, never been solid. And then having, uh, Glowinski leaving, having uh, Pinter in there in his place. It, it's or sometimes Pinter's in the center. Anyway, he's got his work cut out, getting that offensive line in shape. But he knows about offensive lines. So let's yeah. see. What were you going to say, Josh? I really want to, I really want to know how uh, – this is more of a joke, but I'm sure you guys have all seen this. I really want to know how Peyton Manning feels about this now that Jeff Satter can call the plays. You want to know how he feels about it? Yeah, you've probably seen the video where, like, on the sideline or whatever, like, early 2000s, mid-2000s, where Peyton Manning's going to say, like, who called me from plays, man? We're going to run the ball, whatever like that. I wonder how Peyton Manning feels and now Saturday's going to plays. Uh, you know, I don't think I've seen that video, but... Uh, oh, man, you got It's hilarious. <laughs> I'll have to go look just, it up. They just, they just fight back and forth by, like, you know, Peyton Manning, we can quit calling the plays, et cetera, and just, they're like, we need to run the ball, man. It's going to work, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, like Brandon said, they're both smart individuals and probably smart, two smartest listeners in football. And just disagreeing on what should be done just proves that they know what they're doing. Yeah. I I thought, and I'm sure I'm not the only person who had the thought, but I thought, oh, what if Chris Ballard's time is up and then suddenly we get a GM named Peyton Manning and a head coach named Jeff Saturday? What kind of fun would that be? And then somehow we draft Arch Manning and Marvin Harrison Jr. in a few years. And it's like old time Colts all over again. As, as exciting as I think that is for you, Matthew, I think Peyton has his eyes set on a title called commissioner. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, <laughs> I think that's kind of where Peyton's heading. No, nothing against being a head coach or a, a GM or an owner, but I think commissioner is kind of where Peyton's mindset is. I need to be a commissioner, and I think Peyton would be good uh, to follow up Goodell. I would not want to be a commissioner because you're always going to have people that hate you. I don't care what you do, how good you are. There's people well, today you're who, gonna have anyone that hates you. It doesn't I know, matter. That's yeah. true. But right now Peyton Manning has like a lot of love, not a lot of hate. Yet. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing good, staying in the in the good side of things. But it just takes one thing to shift you over. Yeah. It seems that that uh Peyton, I'm just looking at like what Peyton Manning might his response was read to. It does seem like Peyton Manning wasn't even asked or didn't even know about it because he says 
on a, on a Fox News, basically, I guess he says, "I was surprised. I didn't know anything about it. I'm surprised. I talked. I talked to Jeff about it. It's a big challenge. Jeff's made made of the right stuff. He's the ultimate teammate. My locker was right next to him. He's a high character guy, and he's a great leader. Yeah. So it seems like he wasn't even asked. Well, he might have been asked and said, "No, I'm not interested. Not expecting that they would go to Jeff Saturday. Then being like yeah, surprised. Maybe. You know, that could be also. I don't know. He might not have been asked. You never know. Who knows the workings of Jim Irsay's minds? Not even Jim Irsay, I would say. Dan yeah. Snyder probably does. That's probably the dirt he has. <laughs> Dan <on>. Snyder. <laughs> this was the last dirt. Jim's like, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just getting it out in the open now so Dan has nothing on me. <laughs> he doesn't know how the sausage is made, but he knows how to make a basketball team. I'll just say that. Or I mean a, a basketball, a football team. <laughs> oh, my. Well, it's uh, it's exciting times. Uh, if you can ever have a three five and one season that's this that's this exciting, I'd like to see it. <laughs> I don't know if there was another way to have more excitement for a three five and one team. And we're not completely out of the running. That's the crazy part. There are so many stinking three and six teams in the league, right, Packers? <laughs> yep. He just shakes his head, guys, and it's a sad shake. It's a sad shake. Hey, let's uh, let's talk about our. Oh, go ahead. Really quick, there's one piece of breaking news that was just announced. Oh. Ian Rappaport said Raiders uh, tight end Darren Waller is now on IR. Oh, look at that! At least four games. Yeah, so you guys, you like missed. Like you guys lucked out. Dodged a bullet. Yeah, there we go. That's Dodged what I like to see. And guess who plays the Raiders this week? We're Jeff close. Saturday's Colts. That's right. He's going to go up against no Darren Waller in the offense. Yeah, but Devontae Adams, is, uh, he's been cooking. He's been cooking. Last couple of weeks. So well, we know what Devontae can do. I will say this. The Colts, while they don't have a lot of stuff uh, that you can credit them with, they are number one against wide receivers, at least according to our fantasy league. So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens there. All right, well, let's move on to uh, recap uh, the Homer games. We're not going to recap every game. We may talk about like one or two others that may have been exciting. I think there was a, I think the most exciting game this week was uh, Kansas City Titans, in my opinion. It was a pretty exciting game right down to the end. But let's talk about our games. Um, well, we have some other highlights in here, too, it looks like. Uh, somebody's highlighted. Let's talk about those first. Panthers of Falcons. Why is that one highlighted? Who's excited about no, that? Uh, so, so these are our league homer teams. So uh, I Brian, see. Brian is a Panthers fan. Brian, this yeah. one's for you. Let's talk about this. Panthers at Falcons. So uh, I, I know Matthew had kind of mentioned the most exciting game would have been the Chiefs-Titans, and that was a, a very exciting game. But I, I, I put this one in that same category. It was impressive for what Atlanta did coming oh, back. Yeah to win the game in overtime. That's not something we've seen from Atlanta in a long time, but the Panthers were not out of that game whatsoever. And they're proving, Hey, we're sending all of our team away. And these guys you've never heard of are going to play some pretty good football. And we're going to go out there and we're going to fight for these games. It's a team that uh, Dan Campbell would be very proud of. Yeah. Fighting at the kneecaps. Right. By the way, Dan Campbell won this week. Oh, wait. We're going to get that later. The following really like, you want week nine. Love, this is week eight. Week oh, eight. this is really week like eight. How the, yes. Yeah. I really like how the Panthers, I like how this thing ended too. I, I, um, I, like I watched the highlights over. It was like uh, PJ Walker, game winning Hail Mary to DJ Moore and triple coverage or whatever. 
all right, cool. They tie the game, and then they go to overtime or something like that, and there's like a, a penalty, brings the play back, no touchdown, a missed kick, they go back, whatever. It's just like back and forth, and the, the Falcons somehow end up winning. It's just like just, just football at that point. So are the Falcons in number one position in that division? No, the Buccaneers are because they Buccaneers beat them, but they are – they're ba- they're half a game away just because they have the same record, but the Buccaneers beat them. They have the edge, so right. they're like right there, right there. Not expected either, uh, at all. How about the Cardinals and the Vikings? Cardinals, remember everybody is like, oh, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, they're back. You know, Kyler Murray got his extension, and then Call of Duty comes out. Then Call of Duty came out. The rest is history. Cardinals this, looking like this was junk. an interesting game watching it because the Vikings didn't show up till the second half. I mean, it was very well like the Cardinals game to lose it. The Cardinals are like the new Falcons. That's kind of what I've been putting together. It's like it's a team that we're we're thinking is going to be you know pretty high level. You know, with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, uh, Russell Gage, like some some really good <laughs> players on this team. And the Cardinals definitely have that. They got J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones and Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green. They got they got these good pieces on their team, but they're not producing the way they should. And they'll show up to games, and they'll punch you in the mouth, and then they'll get to halftime and be like, oh, we're going to win this game. And then they come back to lose the game. It's, they're just the new Falcons. It's the, the, the vicious cycle that's going on. It has to be a bird team, and it just happened to not be the Seahawks. So... Uh, I, I was kind of hoping that Cardinals would win this game because I'm tired of listening to Vikings fans. Uh, sorry, Will, that does exist. Yeah. He does exist. <laughs> Will, that does uh, exist. Will, we all love yeah. you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we're, just in, we're just kind of concerned that is Brandon's account on fantasy that, you know, isn't trading anybody or playing anybody. Or... I think Josh is not convinced of the existence of Will, even yet. I am. I'm just messing around with Will, uh, Brandon at this point. <laughs> I got a free win out of out of Will's uncle with it. A free win. <laughs> I think everybody did except Adam, right? No, two people have I'm lost to him, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, Will won week one, and I think against Adam. So whoever he played week one. Yeah. Um, We got uh, Bears-Cowboys. We, got we have a, bear, a Bears fan of the league? Who's our Bears fan? I thought, I thought we did, but either way, I just like highlighted it because probably a lot of people in uh, Illinois probably are Bears fans. I think I just talked trash about the Bears. I don't think we actually... Just, left. Justin Fields had some score this week. I'll tell you that. Not as much as this Joe is, Mixon. This is week eight, not week nine. Oh, week man, nine. I keep doing this. I keep this doing this. This is the game where we, where we were looking at our fantasy during the game on top of the and we were like, oh, Tony Pollard scored again, and he got like 50 points for you. Well, not 50, but he did pretty well. He got like 38. Yeah. He wasn't Joe Mixon last week. I'll just say that. Yeah, this was before they had acquired uh, Claypool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dallas won that one. I don't really have much to say about that game. Do you guys? I don't either. I mean, Dallas beat Bears. They played close up until, like, uh, David Montgomery fumbled it, and everybody thought whenever Michael Parsons recovered it, everybody was down, and he just runs it in for the end zone. That's when the game kind of fell away for the the Colt, the, the Bears, even though they already lost. But at least it was a close game till then. Let- I, I want to I jump ahead really quick, jump over our next game. I'm going to let the two of you cover that in a bit more detail. So I'm going to jump to Sunday Night Football, Packers at Bills. Yeah. And I'm going to say this, I called this game exactly on the he podcast. Did. He did call the exact score. Bills. He did. 
I called it. <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, actually pleasantly surprised with the Packers in this game. I think this was, the, this was their best showing all season, this game. And they lost. And, and that's okay. I'm not angry that they lost, but they showed real promising stuff. And kind of a questionable OPI call away from this being a six-point game with the Packers maybe winning it uh, with their final drive. Kind of depends on how you want to put that. But, you know, it was it was called, touchdown was taken back, and, uh, and, and we went on from there. But Aaron Jones was involved, which is, like, the main thing I have said on this podcast all season. Mm-hmm. Get Aaron Jones involved. He got involved. He did good. A.J. Dillon was involved. Passing game was great. Defense, just about as expected. Allowed 27 points, but contained Josh Allen relatively well. And uh, Jair and um, Stephon Diggs kind of went at it. I know everyone saw that. It was all over the internet. Um, and that was just kind of... Who got the last word? Uh, I think it was Stephon got the last word, but the stats... Definitely. The, the stats said that Jair had won that battle between the two of them. Uh, and then special teams didn't do anything horrific. Like, it, it's it's what I expected the Packers to look like in that game. And it, it's, it probably will be their best game all season. Yeah. You, said, you said stats said that, I'm just looking at the game right now again, but stats said that Jair won that, like, had the last word. Stefan went for 108 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Stefan got zero yards against Jair. Oh, he did? Now, they against, against other people in the secondary, he did get yards. Uh, got they, got switch, they switched at some point? But right. zero yards against Jair, and it was on uh, 15, 15 tracks. So there was 15 opportunities, and n- none of them were taken. So zero, zero yards against Jair, zero catches. And I think there were seven of those passes were thrown to them, and Jair was in there knocking them down. It was Jair won... The, the statistical mm-hmm. battle between the two. And it still leaves Terry McLaurin as the only one to beat Jair this season. Let's so, go. There, there you go, Josh. You can hold that over everyone else. Well, let's, um, just, let's just use that to segue into the Commanders-Colts yeah. game because it was Terry McLaurin who caught Terry a McLaurin. long bomb to get that last oh, yeah. score uh, that put the uh, Washington Commanders up by one point. They beat, uh, and this one was also called, although it was called in the th- beginning of the fourth quarter uh, by, by my dad, by your dad. He said, it's going to be 17 to 16. And uh, lo and behold, he was right. Uh, so this was a game that uh, Josh and, and, and me and his dad went to. Um, and uh, I would like to say it was as fun for me as it was for them, but it was still a good time had by all, mm-hmm. uh, oh, even yeah. watching the Colts um, lose. And this was before like the whole, world went crazy for the Colts. Uh, we all, at that at this point, we were still hoping that uh, Sam Ellinger was going to be amazing. And when I watched that game, I wasn't upset with Sam Ellinger, although that uh, that defense was giving him a hard time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Josh? Like you'd like you end it off, D came up com- like completely clutch. They stopped him so many times at the one-yard line. You know, they, they forced a couple of fumbles, but... You guys really had this game, if I had to be, to be completely honest. I mean, if you guys scored at that one-yard line instead of kicking that field goal, the game's over. If there was something else, um, I think you guys got something like 14 inches or something like that. The game's over at that point. I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but I know that, like, the one-yard line touchdown, you know, was versed or whatever. They, the confetti was going down. It was like, this is not a touchdown, et cetera, and then they kicked the field goal. That was definitely the turning point. But, um, 
like you mentioned in the beginning, Heineke and Terry McLaurin, completely clutch. I mean, Heineke just threw it up to him. I mean, he, he was not open, but he wasn't covered at the same time. If Heineke threw it a little bit into the corner of the end zone instead of like, like at the one-yard line, Heineke probably would have got it with no problem, but Heineke threw it. And Terry, Terry McLaurin did a perfect job of just, you know, taking it completely away from uh, Stephon Gilmore's hand. Stephon Gilmore had that intercept and just Terry McLaurin ripped it out straight at the one-yard line. And Terry McLaurin uh, sneaks it in for the run, for the go-ahead score, 17-16. And um, I just like to know that uh, throughout his, you know, his whole career, high school, college, whatever, NFL, Terry McLaurin is undefeated at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium because he played there for a couple of games in, college, at, uh, in high school when he went to a high school up like North Indianapolis. He played there once, I believe, in Ohio State, and then now here. So, By the way, this last week when I was at a conference, I was in Columbus, Ohio, and I went mm-hmm. to the Ohio State Stadium as part of that. We, uh, we went and prayed for the campus there at the stadium, yeah. and uh, it was pretty exciting. But, um, yeah, this, uh, this game, uh, Colts Commanders, uh, I think the the biggest fun of it was that it was the first time I'd been to a Colts game in person um, mm-hmm. at Lucas Oil. And so that was exciting. Uh, would have liked an outcome of a win for the Colts, but uh, at least the commander homers got that. And uh, we had a good time doing so. All right. The let's... worst part of the whole game was leaving. Yeah. Traffic. <laughs> we had to like, we had like, yeah, not even the traffic, like car wise, but like, like a bunch of like 200, maybe even a thousand people going down the stairs at a time and like just stopping, going, stopping, going, you know, it was just annoying. By the way, we had the the, prime seats that were in row four and five from the very top of the stadium. (laughs) Not from the field rows four and five from the very top. That was us. We were watching the whole thing happen. It was good times. Unfortunately, we were sitting in the commander's side uh, the whole Colts yeah. ring of honor thing so was we, facing away from us. So mm-hmm. I didn't get to see their faces except on the screens, but they were so small anyway. But we also, <laughs> yeah, but we also got to officially, you know, me from being from Indianapolis during the prime of the Colts, you being a Colts fan living in Indiana. We've also officially seen Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Tony Dungy, you know, all these guys that we live, you know, we've Jeff watched, Saturday you know, hitting the Jeff anvil. Saturday, new Colts. Yeah. Right. Tariq Glenn, Marvin Harrison, all these guys that we grew up watching. And, you know, just to see them in person is kind of cool. It was. Hey, let's move Matthew, on to. You grew up watching those guys too, or just just Josh? I drew. I grew up watching them. I mean, well, I watched them. I might not have still been <laughs> growing up, but <laughs> I I did watch them their whole careers. Uh, let's go on to this week. Uh, I keep I kept trying to jump to this the whole time, but now we're here. So it looks like the first one in line is the Colts Patriots. We've already talked about this. It was a horrible horrible loss. The worst offense we've had. Uh, all year, maybe in multiple years, it was just a bad game. Twenty-six to three, uh, New England beat us, and not long after that, Frank Reich was let go. By the way, I do want to say I love Frank Reich as a guy. Um, was this the right time to move on from him? I don't know, but uh, he was a good guy, and uh, we're all hoping the best for him. But he was let go, and then Jeff Saturday, and the rest we've already all talked about. I have really not much more to say about that game except the Colts' offense was pretty bad, pretty putrid. Uh, again, I didn't get to watch the game. I was just watching high, uh, like updates as they happened, and they were very few and far between for the Colts. So Packers-Lions, you know, let's get on to somebody who's more excited about the, oh, wait, Packers-Lions. Let's go there. Yeah, let's look at the Lions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
kind of the big story in this game, uh, like Aaron Rodgers did not perform well. He he on paper threw three picks. Uh, one of them was a deflected ball that was lingering in the air in the air forever, and uh, intercepted. So I mean, not not totally his fault. The other two were his. 100% his fault. He underthrew receivers. Uh, all three of them occurred in the red zone. Uh, so that's a completely different game if all... Even if we just kicked three field goals, that's a that's a win. If we kicked field goal, field goal, field goal, that's a win. Uh, but outside of that, there's a lot of injuries in this game. Packers scored, what, nine points? We had eight injuries. <laughs> Almost point. as many injuries as points. Yeah. yeah. And for a while, we had eight injuries and six points. So... Uh, m- most of them got resolved. They're, they'll be good, uh, but some crucial ones, just to take note of, Eric Stokes after the game was in crutches and had a boot on his right foot. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones had mm. a uh, boot on his left foot, and Romeo Dobbs was in crutches and a boot on his right foot, and Rashawn Gary tore his ACL and is out for the season. That's the big, big, big one right there. Yeah. Um, there... Aaron Jones has potential to play this week. Uh, he's been doing doing pretty good. I don't think he's going to. I think Matt's going to prioritize his health over yeah. uh, potential season-ending or career-ending injury, and do not blame Matt LaFleur for that. You know, right. I would rather have Aaron Jones have a sustained career than play this week. You get, a lot, get a lot of Dylan guys, this week. If you guys yeah. want, to, uh, want to blame anybody, you can blame the owner, Brandon Harris. Uh, Brandon uh, Comer. Uh, uh, bl- blame the coach. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I 100% rather have a, a healthy player than a player that yeah. shortens their career or their season. So, uh, Rashawn Gary, you know, get better, heal fast. We miss you. We will miss you. Uh, Aaron Jones, you know, hopeful, hopeful that he'll be clear this week, but I'm, I'm also will not be surprised if he doesn't play this week. Um, I feel like AJ Dillon will be able to to pull out some damage, and we also have a uh, Kylan Hill back, who is tore his ACL two seasons ago, and is now just coming back. So that's a that's a good addition to have as well. Uh, Romeo Dobbs will be out for four to six weeks, and uh, the jury is still out on Eric Stokes for how long he'll be out. The estimated is six to eight weeks for him, and so that's the rest of the season for Eric Stokes. He might come back last week, last two weeks, uh, quickest. But again, I don't want to push it. And I don't want to like predict bad things, but my guess is by the last week, they're going to say this season's over. Let's shut him down. If things keep going the way they're going right now. I was even thinking three weeks, last three weeks. If, you know, like Vikings are still whatever, 12 and one or whatever, they're still, you know, five and whatever. They're out of the playoff race. They start Jordan Love and shut everything. Everybody who is injured down. Yeah, that, that's kind of another big thing that uh, Packers fans are pushing for right now is they want to see Aaron benched. I've heard that. And boy, did I think I would hear that this year? Not at yeah. all. If you would have told it's me. It's a crazy season. If you would have told me <laughs> that Aaron Rodgers, would, people would be wanting him benched and that the Packers would lose to the Lions in week nine, I'd been like, you're crazy. Yeah, I would have said the same thing. But from, from people's perspective, can Jordan Love really do worse than uh, – three red zone interceptions. Yeah. Like, I mean, I like think about that. I feel like, I feel like if it was Jordan Love in at those points, Matt LaFleur probably would have been more safe and like, 
all right, let's run the ball, get him, you know, get him more yards, whatever. If we have to kick a field goal, he wouldn't have thrown those interceptions because he didn't have the chance. Yeah, and, and quarterbacks like Aaron at the at the age they're in, uh, long, longest professional player with any one franchise in professional sports history. Going to point that out. Eighteen seasons. Um, you, you know, he's he's seen some stuff. He's still going through a, a thumb injury on his on his right hand and it's you know a combination of a bunch of things as he told pat mcafee you know it's not you can't just identify one issue and say that's mm-hmm. the only thing that's going on it's a combination of a bunch of things going wrong and i mean there still are a bunch of mental mistakes green bay had three opportunities to get a touchdown and win the game and we couldn't do it uh due to mental mistakes that were happening on the field um so it's uh still got to work out those mental mistakes, but then you also got to understand what your receivers are doing at that moment. And you got to be able to fire the ball to open guys as soon as you see those guys and just get yards. And so yeah. Yeah, some, some stuff Aaron needs to work on for sure. Do I think he gets benched? I don't think the Packers will, will bring it to bench him. I think they'll let him play out the season and kind of let him feel the way he feels about it. And he'll retire unless Aaron really wants to be benched. I, I don't think the, the Packers pull that trigger. I think they they make him feel bad while he's on the field from from the play he's producing right now to the point where Aaron's like, I don't think I can play another season. I, I think that's kind of the approach that they're going to take. It's kind of the, the longer-term approach, uh, but then Aaron retires, and then it's Jordan Love from here on out. And so I, I think that's the approach the, the Packers will take. They, but Aaron needs to feel like, because he said it multiple times, if he feels like he can't play, then he's not going to play. And mm-hmm. I think you need to have a pretty long documented thing for Aaron to feel like he can't play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bring up interesting point there, because I was thinking like Josh, it's like, oh, when your season gets to a point, do you, you say, hey, we got to see what we got in Jordan Love. But I think you're right. If you're going to take the the approach that, is a lot better for this. It's convincing Aaron Rodgers that it's time to hang it up. And the only way to do that is for him to feel it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think you're on to something. Yeah. yeah that, that's why I'm an owner. It's, uh, that's why you're an owner. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, so Aaron, it has to come from Aaron. The Packers aren't going to say you need to retire. They're not going to tell him that directly. They're going to make him feel it Mm-mm. that you need to retire. Lots of stuff going on with the Packers. They're what? Three and six. Is that right? Yeah, not good. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> I, but, you know, the future looks bright. Future. future looks bright. So I, I can I can deal with Dim for a brighter path down the road. I can I can do it. Who would have thought that the Colts would uh, switch to their third-string quarterback, fire their offensive coordinator, fire their coach, hire an interim with no experience, all with a better record than the Packers? No one. If that was a betting line, someone would have won the lottery. Somebody like the lottery that rich. just went by a billion dollars. You just got the payout billion dollars. You would have gotten more of that if you made that bet. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, let's move on down to uh, Commanders game. Vikings versus Commanders this week. Josh. So uh, we were talking about the early, before I start, we were talking about the uh, attorney general like a couple minutes ago, whatever. He's um he's released his thing. His, um, his you know, surprising thing or whatever. And it says, um, well, the attorney uh, was, um, who was it? It was like. Um, Hold on real quick before you go on with this. Let's just get the context here. You're talking about the big surprise that the about the commanders, right? About Dan Snyder. Yeah, that the attorney general was going to release. Yeah, that's we were talking about. 
we're talking about. What did it come out to be? Um, so the guy's name is Carl Racing, Carl Racing, and he's an attorney general for DC. But he says today's file, today's civil complaint file, which kind of let down. It's only a civil complaint, not like a, a legal legal complaint, whatever. Today's civil complaint filed by the DC attorney general against the commanders, Dan Snyder, and the NFL, the NFL and Roger Goodell, is further evidence of what we've long known: that both the commanders and the NFL have engaged in deception and lies designed designed to conceal the team's decades of sexual harassment and abuse which has impacted not only the victims of that abuse, but also the consumers in the District of Columbia. The filing of this complaint also marks an important step in validating the experiences of a brave woman and men who came forward in achieving for the first time a level of transparency into the scope of the misconduct. So basically it's just a simple complaint file. Okay. Cool. There it is. I don't know if things can happen with it, but cool. I mean, just the fact uh, that Dan Snyder has already begun fielding, like uh, setting up, what yeah. would it take to sell it? I think things are happening. Now, mm-hmm. what will the legal ramifications be? We don't know, but you got that. Dan Snyder's on his yeah. way out. Yeah. Um, Vikings Commanders game. Um, I really felt confident about this one going into the second half, honestly, because we've all, you know, throughout Ron Rivera's history on the Commanders, I'm not sure about the Panthers, but he's always played better in the second half of the season. And the second half of the game, we'd be down like, you know, like Lions, down 21-0, beginning, going to the second half, and we come back, and we almost win by, or we lose by seven, but almost win. So we always have a second half spirit in our team, and I really felt like even though we were only up by like like four like four or seven or three or something and going into the second half, I thought we'd like at least have a chance because of that. And it turned out we actually did. We don't, we were up like 17-3 to three or 17-7 to seven or something like that at one point. And... Here comes Ron Rivera's terrible decision-making and a Heineke interception. So it all started Heineke or Ron Rivera. It was like a third and one or something or a second and one. And he's like, oh, I'm going to challenge this. I want that first down. The play stood third and one or whatever it was. We lost the timeout. And then later on or before that, something like that, he called a timeout. So we only have one timeout left for the rest of the half, the second half. And we're still winning like 17 to seven at this point. So it's like, all right, that's a terrible decision, but hopefully it doesn't affect us. I'm not too worried about it yet. And then Heine, and then it's like 17 to 10 or something. They kick a field goal, um, and then Heidi throws an interception the next drive, and uh, like just completely misses his target. Like I were talking about, or like last week or two weeks, when Heineke's accurate, he's accurate. But when he's inaccurate, there's a mistake about to happen. And this is one of those. It was inaccurate. There was a mistake, and it choked the game away. So they go down, tie the game off the interception, etc. And we're still trying to regroup, whatever. And we punt the ball away, and they get down. They're running the clock out to kick a game-winning field goal, 2017, which was the end score. And they're about to kick it with like two and a half minutes left. We have our one timeout left. All right, we still have a chance to at least tie the game. Our defensive tackle, uh, not Jeff, John Ridgeway, something like that. Ridgeway, he tries to jump over the line. He touches the center, illegal. So automatic first down. They run the clock out, kick the game in the field, game's over. So our three mistakes basically was Ron Averitt's coaching or play calling decision or decision making, Heineke's interception. And then Jeff Ridgeway, John Ridgeway, whatever, just completely. Costing us, choking the game for like choking, whatever, calling the game and over with this penalty, you know, that hit the 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 center. I don't know how it's a penalty. I think he landed his head or whatever. So basically, anytime you hit a center, if you're trying to like jump over the center to block a field goal or punt or whatever, it's a penalty. So that's what happened. They run the clock out. We lose the game. But you sound frustrated, Josh. A, I'm frustrated <laughs> just because of the fact that like a lot of like a lot of games, 
this was easily winnable. You know, we're going against probably the best team in the NFC at this point, and we're sticking with them. You know, we're winning at some point. We're holding them down. You know, defensive line plays amazing this game, and the cornerbacks continue to improve. You know, we have a penalty called for a touchdown, an interception touchdown from St. Juice on Justin Jefferson called back for DPI, which was it was it was kind of defensive defensive pass interference. I could see it, but I could also see it not because. Like, they were both pushing against each other. You know, it was just happened to be called against DPI. Um, and, like, the, the defense is improving, but the offense just needs that spark, you know? And it's just kind of like, we, we're almost won against the number one team in the NFC, and we would have been, you know, in the playoffs, the seventh seed, of course, it's only mid-season, but we'd have a winning record also. And we just, like, choke it away because of bad decision-making and an interception, you know? But it does sign... Josh does show signs of hope, though, because we can at least actually make a push after next week, after this week's game, we're going to play the Eagles and lose. Commanders. So kind of... They're yeah, a conundrum. Kind of, frust- kind of frustrated, you know, especially with what, you know, you know, like Benjamin St. Jude said earlier, he's like, this whole dance and thing's, you know, affecting how we play or how, affecting us personally, whatever. And it kind of shows, but I just don't, I don't like how they're dealing with that, you know, I mean, but I'm also kind of frustrated with how Ron Vera is doing things. It's kind of annoying, but hope okay. it all works out. I'm going to make the prediction that Ron Rivera won't be there next year. That's the prediction. Hey, let's move on. Panthers, Bengals, Panther. I barely know her. I'm sorry, but your Bengals got shredded by Joe Mixon who went for over 200 yards total and five TDs giving Adam Caldwell or a consolation prize a commanding win over the Pontiac bandit this week in our fantasy league. Um, but that was uh, nothing for the the Panthers to be excited about 42 to 21. It was half the score. Uh, they doubled your score. Dolphins bears. On the other hand, uh, for our last Homer team, uh, the bears almost, almost did it. Justin Fields was the man in this game. This is one I was talking about earlier. He, uh, He was doing what he needed to do as far as coming back, but they couldn't best the Dolphins. Um, I just want to point out one other thing. Uh, In the Rams versus Bucks, uh, Brady finally passed 100,000 total yards. No one's done that. No one has done that. He is the only one. Am I right? You are right. Yeah. He he's also the longest tenured player in the NFL, so he's had more opportunity to do definitely. That. It's definitely the opportunity. He also though uh, passed Peyton Manning's comeback win total. Uh, you play long enough, you're going to own them all. Brett Favre tried to do it. He mm-hmm. played for a long time, but Tom Brady has outlasted him. How long is he tenured now? 22, 23 seasons. Okay, and Favre was yeah. just at twenty, right? Yeah, Favre had the twenty-year Iron Man streak. That that will never be broken. That one, ever. Yeah, yeah. Due to concussion protocol, that'll never be broken. Never. <laughs> yeah, Brett Favre can hold that one in his demented state of all those concussions he had for as long as he's alive and beyond. Uh, that's all I wanted to really touch on for the uh, for the games. Let's look at our fantasy uh, results. You know, we have our voting stuff uh, happening every week, and uh, we've had. Uh, some, I don't know that we've had any shakeup in this, uh, to be no. honest. Looks like it's we, all still the same. Now we have had, uh, you know, something interesting happen. And this is probably the reason we had no shakeup. So I'll, I'll go over week eight and then I'll go over week nine, kind of like how we did the games. Week eight, no one, everyone was above 500. 
Like no one was at or below 500, which happened week seven as well. But when everyone's kind of getting all these games right, it's going to be a lot harder to have shakeup. So we had at four and two, Jacob McCormick, Abigail, and Jacob Nelson. At five and one, the NFL, Brian, Josh, and myself, and Matthew at six and oh. Just want to say eight. that was the first one all year of six and oh. And I'm going to hold that for a whole week, I'm sure, until week nine when someone else then ties that, right? Yes. And uh, week eight overall, we had two and four with Will, 11 and seven, Dylan, 12 and six, Chris, uh, 12 and 12, right at 500 and still with Brandon Harris. Also at 521 and 21 with Adam, 25 and 17, Jacob McCormick, 27 and 15, Brian, 27 and 21, the NFL, 28 and 20 with Abigail, 30 and 18 with Matthew, tied at 32 and 16, Josh and Jacob Nelson, sitting three games above them, myself at 35 and 13. That is week eight. Week Week nine. nine. Week nine, uh, we did have a number of people hit 500. Uh, and I can actually tell you, uh, uh, let me pull up the, the chart that I create for every week for these games. Because uh, I thought this was going to be even closer when I was adding them up, but it was not. The, the, the two games that threw everyone off was Consolation Prize versus Pontiac Bandit. So we have... Uh, Adam versus Chris. What's what, what's Adam's uh, campus ministry called? Is this still Christian Campus House CCH? Uh, yeah, uh, they they have uh, you know the Christian Student Fellowship and the Christian Campus House. Uh, they kind of go with those interchangeably. Yeah. All right. So the battle of the campus houses. That's and, right. Uh, that Adam Adam came out on top. That's uh, right. On that. Sorry, Chris. Uh, but Chris did fight pretty hard, and the other one was all Barkley versus Ho and Ascent. Brandon Harris versus Jacob Nelson. Uh, people were split. Uh, well, I guess they, they weren't really split, but everyone just said uh, all Barkley was going to win, and then Jacob came out, and same with the other one. And then uh, the one that was 50-50, no one really knew who was going to win, was uh, Biscoff and the Reich stuff, so Jacob McCormick and Matthew. So I I thought, uh, you know, we, we'd be a bit, a bit closer. I thought those games were a bit more defined, uh, and you'll find out why I thought they were more defined here in a second when I tell you the weekly results. Three and three, we had Adam, Jacob, Abigail, and Matthew. Four and two, we had uh, Jacob Nelson, Brian, and Brandon Harris. Five and one, the NFL and Josh. And this was my first perfect week. So I thought the games were pretty defined in my head on who was going to win. And I was I was correct. That takes us to our overall at two and four with Will, 11 and seven with Dylan, 12 and six with Chris. Nothing changed there. Four or 16 and 14 with Brandon Harris. He is officially above 500. As you just heard, Adam went three and three, which leaves him at 500 with 24 and 24. Jacob McCormick is at 28 and 20. Brian is at 31 and 17. Abigail is at 31 and 23. The NFL is at 32 and 22. Matthew is at 33 and 21. Jacob Nelson is at 36 and 18. Josh is at 37 and 17. And I pulled far enough ahead of Josh to break that 40 barrier at 41 and 13. Man, last week I got 6 and 0 and I thought I was making some ground on the leader. This week I only went 500, he went 6 and 0, and now I find myself down by 8 games. Now I have to go 3 and 3 this week. Like I have to hit 5. I I think that's just what happens. <laughs> well, it's going to be uh hard to catch Brandon Colmark. He seems to win this voting thing. Every year. Come on, somebody step up. Somebody step up and do better. Do better. 
not every year. I've taken a different approach this season. So let, the first two seasons, I would always vote for myself and always vote for my wife. And that was a third of the games. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've since my wife has stopped voting for me, I have stopped voting for her. Ooh, trouble in so, paradise. So uh, <laughs> be, because of that, I still vote for myself every week. And uh, I've, <laughs> I've been wrong quite a quite a bit uh but i i will always have confidence in myself well you've uh, uh you've still gotten the others right enough that you're definitely in the lead <laughs> hey let's look at our upcoming games this week for our homer teams uh we got like i said colts versus raiders so uh i don't have high hopes for that game uh, all i want to see is can we call an offense what's that look like uh, I still don't think our offensive line's fixed. I don't think our woes are going to be taken care of. Jonathan Taylor, we don't even know if he's going to play. Uh, there's still a ton of question marks, but, yeah, we'll watch and see what happens versus these lowly Raiders. Josh has the Commanders versus Eagles. I know he's pretty excited because the Eagles are junk this yeah. year. Oh, wait. They're great. Yeah. They're not. They haven't been beaten yet. Do you think you'll be the first team? I don't know. We were the first team to beat the 11 Steelers, and then they completely fell apart with, you know, hobbled up, hobbled up Alex. Actually, that was before his injury, I think. But, no, it wasn't. Hobbled up Alex Smith, you know, beat the 11 Steelers on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday Night Football because of COVID or whatever. So it could happen. But could. Um, I just feel like that, that team is completely different than this one. You know, the Steelers, Big Ben was on his last leg, too. You know, they didn't have they, – They played a I really weak not, schedule up until you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but they yeah. they had a, they had a just they didn't have an offense you know that could be serviceable. Big Ben at quarterback, their defense was still pretty good. But I just think we somehow found a way to win that game with closing minutes. Um, this one, I'm not sure. I mean, it is a divisional game, so it's like any given Sunday as always, you know. But it's a Monday I don't know night about game. This one. It is a Monday night game. Like I don't know if that happened with Kirk Cousins, but we've never played. A, I never played good on Kirk, on Monday night. Kirk Cousins has never played good on Monday night, so it may have started with him, and he just continued it, and we broke up the uh, broke up the uh, curse or whatever. But only reason I can see this being close is because our defense has improved from last time we played, and at least Heineke, you know, I mean, he's not Carson Wentz, but Heineke can at least you know make more. <laughs> You know, more smart decisions than just throwing it and like maybe double coverage where he somehow some guy has a step on him but underthrows it. You know, you know it's bad news when you're like trying to talk good about your quarterback. And you're like, well, Brian or Tyler Heineke's no Carson Wentz. Yeah, <laughs> most people like, would not I, say Carson Wentz is the measure you're shooting for. Yeah, I know. And then Tyler, <laughs> Taylor Heineke can at least scramble, whereas Carson Wentz is like to Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and all these guys. They're about to collapse a pocket, and he's like. Oh, great. What do I do? I'll just throw it over there. Heineken's like, all right, I'm going to run it. You know, he's just playing like, you know, like Brett Favre out there. And it's just, it's always fun to watch. So that's kind of what I'm interested for. But like Brandon did with the Bills game, I'm going to predict the final score is, let's see, defense is kind of good. 24-10 Eagles. 24-10 Eagles. No, 24-13 Eagles. All right. We'll see if it comes true. Meanwhile, uh, the Packers are also going to be going to the NFC East this week. You know, the NFC East is coming to us. Oh, that's right. We got, uh, and I've talked about this game since the schedule came out. The Dallas Cow- Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys right. are coming to Lambeau Field. And I, I saw on Twitter just before we started recording this podcast, uh, the temperatures at Lambeau are supposed to be pretty frigid. They're looking uh, sub thirty degrees for for Sunday, Sunday afternoon, uh, three, so three twenty five game. And so right now, uh, Mike McCarthy has 
freezers in their practice stadiums. So they're practicing in 25 degree weather. Nice. And, uh, and they're they're getting prepped. And uh, it it's a big big time for Aaron, big time for Mike. Both of them want to be able to prove each other. They both, I mean, care each, care for each other quite a bit. And of course, the media knows. Oh, Aaron and Mike McCarthy. And so they everyone's asked Aaron and Mike, and they're both just really excited to see each other again. They've they've had some communication since uh, Mike was fired in Green Bay, first head coach fired during the season. Oh, uh, back in 2018 for the Packers. Uh, very similar to, well, I don't know if Frank Reich was the first fired during the season, but that's more of a trend in the past five years than it has been. He was the first one for Jim Ursay as an owner. I'll say yeah. that. Um, but Mike was the first one fired in the season with, with like four weeks left. Um, pre- previous to that, most organizations let you finish out the season, and then they fired you and brought someone new in and kind of went through that process. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, with all of Green Bay's injuries, I have no hope for a victory in this game. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm just excited to see Mike McCarthy happy, you know. Can you even remember the last time you would have seen 3-7? and seven? 2018, year Mike McCarthy got fired. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was, thinking, I was thinking all the way back to 2008, like whenever Rogers first year, he was just getting started with things. Yeah, I'm, I'm, there was a few things that had happened that season. Um, Aaron was injured, broke his collarbone in Minnesota, mm-hmm. which is also a Minnesota sports highlight of the decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of that 2010s decade was breaking Aaron's clavicle. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, that, that was kind of the last time Packers were really bad. We're rocking with Deshaun Kaiser. First time Devontae Adams had a 1,000-yard season. Uh, receiving was with Deshaun Kaiser. So wow. uh, kind of put Devontae on the map, but I mean, all of our guys are, are so young right now. It's not going to put anyone, any offensive player on the map. Defensive players of uh, certain ones have started to shine a bit more than others. Uh, so, some of them are starting to dull and I think it's time for time for them to head out. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this game. I, I know it's, I know it's not going to be a victory, but you know, I'm just kind of excited for the historical aspect of it. You know, having Mike McCarthy return to Lambeau Field after all these years. And since he's been in the NFL, they haven't played. Like, Mike McCarthy's been back a couple seasons now. And the NFL hasn't put this game on their radar yet for some reason. And now it's happening. Mike McCarthy returns to Lambeau, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I bet you would have wished it was when you guys were, like, playing lights out, though. Last season, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Last season, yeah, that would have been good. And we almost got it in the playoffs, too. That right. was a potential playoff matchup. Well, guys, we got some good games coming up. Uh, and we, finals, What are you guys' uh, final score predictions? Oh, I don't do that. <laughs> uh, 38-17. Who? Packers or Cowboys? Cowboys. That's, yeah. a big, that's a big spread. Yeah, it's a... Uh, Cowboys are very good at running the ball. Packers are not good at stopping the run. And and two of our injuries that happened that are still unsure for this week were Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker, like our two guys stopping the run on the inside. And so I know that is going to be their primary emphasis coming out. I'm confident our, our secondary can hold up average, you know. And uh, But if, you, if you're going to beat the Packers, you're going to, 
you're going to run it straight down our throat and you're going to have 12 to 15 minute time of possessions. And that's what they're going to do. And I don't blame them. That's what they should do. <laughs> well, we will see. Uh, I'm not even going to try and give a score prediction. I just, I'm not good at that. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Colts Raiders. But guys, we've got a lot of fun and exciting stuff with new coaches, with old coaches, with possible wins. A lot to look forward to here in the football world. We'll talk about it all next week on the Pandemic.